Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We're on a collision course with the national championship, and the only variable is time. Because the train is rolling, so anybody out there, I can't tell you what's going to happen right now, but it's coming. Get on board, but get out the way. That's what that is right there. We're coming like this, man. When you're like this, you can't be beat, baby! You're listening to From the Pink Seats Podcast of the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Now. Here's your host, Jacob Lane, Matt McGavin, and Vince Lococo. Two episodes at a time. That is a treat for you. It is a treat for us. We are back from the Pink Seats Podcast. I am Jacob Lane. I'm joined by my trio of gentlemen here. We'll get to them here momentarily, but we are back for Louisville versus Pittsburgh. The Cards return home after a bye week. Uh, and we've got a prime time, I'm going to be sleepy, 8 o'clock p.m. game awaiting us in the cold on Saturday. But this is, what, this is what football is all about, boys. It, football like this makes you just want to run and chop block somebody. Like, this is that kind of weather. This is where the, what separates the grown men uh, from the babies. Got a great show planned from the Pink Seats Podcast. Subscribe anywhere you get your shows on the State of Louisville Podcast Network. We thank you all so much for tuning in. Jacob Lane, as I mentioned, Matt McGavick is here. Vincent Lococo, P-Dog, Presley Meyer. Welcome, gentlemen. How are we doing? First of all, I want to give a big old hearty F you to the people at the ACC who decided to make this an 8 p.m. kickoff. Yeah. No, it's okay. No, it's okay. From, from the, the younger people and the people that like that fun, it's all right. ACC. Yeah, Vince I, is going to be out it. until like 5 in the morning. This is his – This is Okay, young and spry in, grasshopper. <laughs> his prime time operating hours are between the hours of 11 p.m. and 5 a.m., I feel like. That's another Vincent. <laughs> no, not that. that. No, no. Let me just say that – uh, Jacob, I'll hold your hand during the game if you, Thank you. want to stay warm. But sure. <laughs> kickoffs at eight o'clock, and right now the forecast is zero percent chance of rain. Hell yeah, mostly clear with a sixty-two degree Fahrenheit. I don't know what I was going. It's gonna be sixty-two degrees. <laughs> That's kickoff. perfect. That's gonna be so, perfect. Yeah, yeah. With, perfect. I mean, 
everybody's talking about bring, bring some hand warmers and and you'll be good. No, that's what that's what the brown water, as our good friend Eric. Why would you bring hand warmers to a game that's not even going to break the fifties? It's not that. Hey, I'm I'm built I'm built different, man. I don't have I don't have the premium Weather Channel subscription, so I can't tell you after eight p.m. But if this podcast goes long enough, I'll tell you what nine p.m. says. (laughs) Matt, aren't you aren't you going to be in a heated environment anyways, dude? This guy's going to be like, get out of here. Get yeah, out of here. So yeah, you're going to be, be sitting here. Damn be, yeah, right. You're going to be sitting in front of your, your laptop and your iPad and eating cookies. Yep. And, and, no doubt. And There'll be some Watching cookies. the game in the quiet press box is what you're going right. to be doing. In the 72-degree press box. <laughs> to, to quote the great Walter White, you're goddamn right. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, hey, we're talking about the weather. We're talking about heated environments, the right climate, all climates. We've got a lot of things we're going to get into tonight. Uh, obviously, the, the point of the show tonight is to preview Pittsburgh. We're going to do that. But before, we're going to talk about all these random things. We're just going to combine it into a segment, right? That's what we do here. Let's try to figure out a way to capture lightning in a bottle. And so tonight, we introduce the turnstiles of content. Just as you have to enter into a football game through the turnstiles and the metal detector tonight, you will have to enter the show with a topic. All right. Let me jump off here and start. And I want to talk about Lamar Jackson because Lamar Jackson, I feel like he wakes up every day. He, he does the little eye, uh, you know, the little eye wiggle or whatever you want. I don't know what you would describe the eye wipe. I don't know. You know, when you just wipe your eyes, I don't even know what you're wiping at that point. Cause your, your fist really doesn't fit in there. But when he wakes up, <laughs> he finds himself in what he I'm feels sorry. is a Louisville Jersey back in his dorm at uh card town in 2016, wondering how the hell did I get back here? And that is the Baltimore Ravens have blown every single game. And I got to tell you, for him, it, bad timing, and it's very unfortunate. But for me, it feels a lot like we're watching Louisville on Sundays. It's like you get two doses every weekend. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, well, he I mean, he didn't win me fantasy, but he did enough to where I could win. Uh, you know, I'm four and one now, so I, I, I'm okay. Pissed they're losing, but I'm okay as long as I continue to win in fantasy. Deshaun Jackson and uh, Tavon Austin are not going to cut it for Lamar Jackson. They have got to go. Here's the move right here. And then I'm going to let one of you all take over. Call up Carolina. Tell them you want DJ Moore and you're willing to give up a first round pick and go make it happen. The Panthers are about to be a live fire sale. Go get you a wide receiver. Then you've got Rashad Bateman. You've got DJ Moore and Devin Duvernay. You've got Mark Andrews, Isaiah Likely. Let's get it. Eric DeCosta, if you're even working out there, I'm not sure what you're doing, man, because the Ravens the last few years have just been a complete dumpster fire compared to the old Ravens. Get it together. The whole DJ Moore thing, it, it sounds like from reports that that the Panthers are asking for a first round pick. But what do you have DJ to lose? Moore? For more. What well, do you have to lose? The, the Ravens are, are countering with a second round pick. And so it's 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 all that BS going back and forth. Look, if they're serious about wanting to win a Super Bowl, they have to get Lamar a legitimate number one receiver. If you look at all, all of the legitimate quarterbacks across the league over the last 20 years, uh, they always have a legitimate number one. Like I'm talking like when I say number one receiver, I'm saying like a guy that's a must start in your fantasy league, a guy that you can go to and he's 100% going to catch the ball like a Cooper Cup, like a just, Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Like, you know, when you have Devin DuVernay uh, and, and a, a Deshaun Jackson who hasn't played in what, two years? 35-year-old uh, Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, that, that's not going to cut it, man. And then it's all going to go back to, you know, the, this Baltimore team was was built to run the ball. <laughs> that, but, but Are they clearly, sabotaging Lamar Jackson? Are they sabotaging Lamar Jackson to, to drive down the price? 
Certainly, certainly sounds like <laughs> have, it. Have fun. <laughs> I was about to say, look, look, it, that would be the stupidest strategy of all time because they built the entire team around Lamar Jackson and they drafted quarterbacks behind him that have similar games to him, like a like a like a Walmart brand Lamar Jackson, right? <laughs> so it's just it does it makes zero sense if they're trying to tank. What, what are they going to get? Freaking uh, Deshaun Watson or something like? I mean, I, I I was just so enamored with this booth, the zoo talk between Jacob and Vincent. I was like, you know what? Let's I'll go to the zoo myself. I'm, how I'm many how many kids did you boo at the zoo? How many of them ran away from you? Just if you had a rough time. Were you, in, <laughs> were you in a costume? Did you dress up? Hell no. Oh, <laughs> dude, went, that's that's we went, weird, man. We went yeah, during just... the day. We got we had passes to get in free. There you <laughs> go. So you were scared to go at night is what. Yeah, he didn't. He did not want to boo at the zoo. That's yeah. what we're hearing here is Matt was not interested in booing at the zoo. Well, what was your favorite animal, Matt? What'd you like? I like them all. No, what you give us? A, was <laughs> that's terrible, man. Matt's been to too many press conferences in the last couple of months. His head's all scrambled up. He doesn't know how to yeah. give us an opinion. What do you like, man? Give us something. <laughs> I mean, I personally more so an aquarium guy just because I, I like that's a I say guy. that I say that because I've been to the Louisville Zoo so, so many times as a kid that like it's almost gotten stale. But this was legit, legitimately my first time in maybe a decade that I've been. OK, so there, was a, okay. there was a lot that was hey, a conspiracy theory that goes on with this. I don't think oh, God. the albino uh, alligator is real. Is I don't it think it's there? real. It doesn't move. I will say, it doesn't I will move. say the gator did not move. We we heard, we thought we heard him, but he didn't and move. When's the last time you've been to the zoo? So do you really know what position it's in? If you've been to the Newport Aquarium, you know that they, they exist and they definitely well, that, move yeah. there. Yeah. At, at I just think, aquarium, so. I don't know. I've never seen ours move. I will <laughs> say I was a little bit disappointed that Lorikeet Landing was uh, closed because I really like you know, feeding the little parakeets and whatnot, but it, it was closed. Actually, every single bird encounter or exhibit was closed because there's apparently like a mild strain of avian flu. It's in the zip- Wow. What is Dude, going the, on, man? The, the ultimate bomb that's just going to get overlooked on this show is Matt just name dropping Lorikeet Landing. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this man just knew Lorikeet Landing. Uh, but no, oh, we're, we're, talking about, we're talking about. I like feeding the birds, man. On <laughs> the real, they need to bring. They need to bring the train back. That that's yes. not even funny anymore. We're just bring messing. the train back. Okay, bring I, the train okay. Back. Last comment on the zoo. I will say, if there is a zoo in this country that would have a fake alligator, it would be the Louisville Zoo because I've been to many zoos. Which this that sounds bad. I'm sorry. Don't cancel me. You know, I know there's a lot of people that. <laughs> that are anti-zoo culture and whatever, but I've been to many zoos and, and, and there, there are plenty of free zoos. Like you go what to other is cities. This? What is this? How did this turn into a yeah. venting session about the zoo? This is the <laughs> you you knew what you were getting. You this out in us. <laughs> no. Okay. So there, there are lots of free zoos in this country and they are infinitely better than Louisville Zoo. And Louisville, I, I'll give him. Where this. are there free zoos? Yeah, what free zoos have uh, you been to? The Name ones them. that come, come to mind immediately is St. Louis, San Diego. Um, okay. St. Louis is not free. St. Louis there. Zoo is no. It's San Diego free. Zoo is not free. Okay, well, we'll, we'll do some research here. Uh, but there are one hundred percent. Our resident zoos. fact checker to fact check himself. We are in trouble tonight. Uh, it, uh, okay, so if, if we want to talk about, talk about turnstiles, right? Yeah, uh, one shocking thing. I went to the UK game this weekend. Oh, was, you traitor! Yeah, so did you it, wear blue? I wore blue. Right, I did. You're, you're done. We'll see you later, buddy. Well, All well, right, how so, do I get him out of here? 
I, I got to say, so I, I was given the tickets and I was told you can go as long as you just don't wear red. And so, cause they were playing Mississippi state. I was like in the fifth row. So I was like, I, okay, that makes sense. Uh, so I just wore like a blue golf shirt. It wasn't a big deal. It wasn't really a, a thing. You um, have white. You could have worn white or black or gray. I could have, but I, I chose, I, I like the color blue. I, I, I don't know. Anyways, it was, I will say this. <clears throat> The thing that surprised me the most about that stadium, I've been to games there five or six times now. They don't have any security. Like, and, and what I mean by that is like when you walk into the gate, they scan your ticket and go, okay. <laughs> and like, <laughs> like it's not even the guy that's like fake patting you down. You just walk in. They literally it. are just like, okay. Like yeah, how a baseball no game metal detectors just go down, you just kind of like give them your ticket and walk yeah. in. That's yeah, how it yeah. Used to no, be back we, I had to pee like a mother effort, and we got to the to the gate, and I was like, I'm not gonna make it, man. Like I'm gonna, I'm like standing like a freaking weirdo trying not to pee my pants, and like it was literally like two minutes. There was probably like 400 people in front of me, and we just all just walked in, just scanning the tickets. Just it was the weirdest thing ever. But I know why they do it. It's because you know Mother Mitch. Mitch Barnhart doesn't allow alcohol in the stadium. And so every person around you, as soon as the national anthem's open, takes out a flask out of their pocket and starts, you know, taking some swigs out of their flask, starts mixing their drinks. I'm like, you were just losing. Like, people are still getting hammered in your stadium, and you do nothing about it. I kind of like the BYOB policy, if I'm being honest. If I could take a Sixer into a Cardinal a Cardinal Stadium, dude, it's over. I'm broke. Oh, oh, that would be horrible for the little no, that's what I'm fans saying. know how to drink. Uh, you know how bad of an idea that would be. That's Presley's yeah. point, I think. That's, okay, so, so okay. J- Jacob, if you had to take a, a flask of something into Cardinal Stadium, you don't like bourbon. So no. what would you take to, into the stadium? It depends on my mood. If I'm if I'm there to have a good time and I'm trying to drink, it doesn't matter what's in that flask. I'll drink whatever. I'll suffer through it. But if it's a certain type of, I have to pick the alcohol and it has to be like my choice, I'm probably going to go with, like I would probably mix like a bourbon and ginger ale in there together and just have it, you know, a little, little swiggable drink. A little swiggable drink. Swiggable drink. So, okay, real quick. I hate to interject, but I have an update. The San Diego Zoo costs $65 for one person for one adult. The St. Louis wow. Zoo, though, it is free. Wow. wow. I was about to say, I've been to the St. Wow. Louis Zoo. I know that for sure. Wow. And I know Cincinnati Zoo is much more affordable than Louisville Zoo. Indianapolis is more affordable. And they got like dolphins and stuff. To be fair, the, the San Diego Zoo is legitimately from whatever, because I've never been, I really want to go. But I've heard that the San Diego Zoo is legitimately the best zoo in North America. Yeah, what so makes I, a great what makes a great zoo? Like what what is it more animals? They have like a cool, yeah, they had a ton more animals. Like what they have? What's what do they have? What do they have that the zoo doesn't have here? Like pandas. Yeah, pandas. Most things. Okay. okay. Let, let me give you a synopsis of you can go to the zoo any time of day in Louisville. And you're going to be walking through, you're going to be walking down a path with just empty fields of nothingness. Correct. And some bar- some birds. Signs, yeah, some yeah. birds. You got, you got yeah. to check the signs and be like, okay, there's supposed to be a zebra here. It's not here. Two animals that are always there. The, the I think it's the hippo when you first walk in. Always, always seeing the hippo. And then the drafts. The drafts are yep. almost always out. Guaranteed. Yeah. You're getting your I first two this. The, the birds, out. the birds were the only ones that were consistently not there, but that's only because of you know avian flu. And like all the animals, like almost all the animals that we saw, they were actually active. It was all about the birds. 
it was a good day at the zoo, man. The, they weren't all sleeping or weren't all hiding like they were. I mean, we saw Fitz. He was playing the little cute elephant oh, baby. See, oh, he was a, that's what I'm talking about. Adorable. Yeah, that's right. That, that's the type of animal. I'm. Uh, that's what I needed earlier. I had, but you go to the birds. That's why it's all about the bird. Let's wrap up the the segment here. The first week of turnstiles of content is literally just nothing but talking about the zoo. So noted, the zoo does well <laughs> when we're talking about different topics. <laughs> Let's talk about Pittsburgh, uh, Louisville off of a bye week. Pittsburgh also off of a bye week. This is going to be a really interesting game. Both teams are coming off of wins uh, against teams from Virginia. So there's that. How about the correlation here? It's all over the place. It's a beautiful little story. Uh, but Pittsburgh is a really good football team. They're not ranked, but they were at one point. They are, I'd say, in the top 35 or 40 teams in the country. Would that be a fair assumption for you guys? Would that, would you be on board with that? Yeah, I'd say yeah, you could argue right. top 30. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So this is a big matchup for Louisville coming, um, uh, coming off of a victory against Virginia uh, in which Brock Doman obviously kind of led the way as, as a passer. Now Malik Cunningham is back, and they've had some time to uh, do whatever they do in a bye week. The seat underneath Scott Satterfield has not cooled down any, and now Louisville heads into one of the toughest parts of their schedule, one of the toughest schedules in the country at this point, uh, in which they will play multiple ranked teams, including Wake Forest next week, Clemson, NC State, Kentucky. But they get things started off with Pittsburgh in a game that <laughs> – Feels winnable. I don't know. I, maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit too much when I say that, but it feels winnable. Well, just real quick, Jacob, you talked about the toughness of the schedule. Just real quick. If you had to guess, based on combined opponent win percentage, where do you think Louisville's second half of the schedule ranks in college football? Vince, you say one? Okay. I'm going to go four. Louisville is number one. It's followed by Texas, Northwestern, Cal, Mississippi State, LSU, Michigan State, Baylor, Alabama, Kansas State. Yeah, the combined win percentage for Louisville's opponents is 0.795. The next closest is Texas at 0.774. Wow. So, yeah, Louisville's got that going for them. Yeah. So here's what, what I'm going to say before we start talking about this conversation, and we'll just leave it at this. We won't get into the hot seat. We won't get into the wh who are the candidates. We're not going to do that. But what I'll say is what I said a couple weeks ago. There's still time on the clock. Scott Satterfield wins a handful of these games and he is back and it is well-deserved, well-earned. He's never beaten ranked teams. He's never won three games back to back to back. This is going to be an opportunity for him to conquer what he said he was going to do. And I joked on the podcast with Eric McLean today, but if Sat wins all these games, he's ACC coach of the year, dude. Like, I know that's likely not happening, but get up. That's the, that's the truth. So I mean, there is still I mean, time. There's always a shot. That's Always right. a shot. You still That's gotta play right. the game. So you're saying there's a chance. There's a chance. Yeah, Imagine starting <laughs> 0 and 3, and one of your losses is to one of the worst Boston College teams ever. And Syracuse. And you know, Florida State is not really Florida State. Yeah, but like we said, Syracuse beats and, Clemson this weekend, and they're in the college football playoff conversation. What a world. That should be Louisville. That should be Louisville. That should be Louisville. Straight up. I, I will hold on to that with both hands. That should be Louisville. That's what she said. Pause. That's Louisville. They should be They should be with that record heading into their bye week close to undefeated. That's the way it should be. And yeah, I, I mean, if you look at Syracuse last year, right, like they were hot garbage, and, and Dino Babers was on a much hotter seat than Scott Satterfield entering oh, the yeah. season. I, I would hate to go back and listen to that season intro of – hour of radio that we did because we said some very not nice things about Garrett Tree. <laughs> I mean so basically the, the offseason is like like imagine you just locked yourself in a room and you just only saw, saw like 10 people like all of a sudden people in real life that are just like super average like personality super average looking and all that stuff all of a sudden you're gonna be like I think I'm in love with you 
Like it's that, it's that kind of thing, like in, in the Louisville football offseason, right? You know, that's that's the only thing that you have to talk about for like six months. Yeah. It's like you just keep looking at this team and you keep looking at, you know, you're like Mel Kuyper, just checking, just straight up, just looking at, at body fats and, and explosiveness off the ball. and Especially whenever you're like shit. trying to numb pain from like other sports. Like let's mm-hmm. not pretend like basketball mm-hmm. was doing well either. At the time. Exactly. So yeah. We're not- just like, everybody's just trying to make themselves feel good. And now you're like, wow, I'm a dummy. <laughs> well, here, here's where we are. Tale of the tape. Pittsburgh comes in four and two. They are one and one in the conference. They are seven points away from beating Tennessee early in the schedule, but seven points in overtime away from beating uh, arguably the best team in the country. I don't know. I, don't, I haven't watched enough football yet to, to make that, but they did beat Alabama. So uh, and then they lose to Georgia Tech off of a firing of Jeff Collins. Like, whoops. That's a squandered opportunity right there. So you're talking about Pittsburgh comes into this game, likely thinking we should be six and a couple adjustments here, a couple adjustments there. We're going to be all right. But when you kind of dig into the numbers, Rhode Island, 45-24, but that's a game that was pretty close uh, all the way through for, for them at West Virginia early in the season. They very easily could have lost that game. They made plays late, uh, but they have kind of evolved here. Uh, teams don't often start the way that they are in week six. Uh, so at the beginning of the year, as Israel Abandacanda was not a factor for Pittsburgh. In fact, he didn't start against West Virginia. I think he only had 15 yards rushing. But now, over the last couple of games, he has 12 touchdowns, 10 touchdowns in two games. That's unbelievable. I made the joke last week, and I'll say it again. I might consider trading all five of my running backs for their one running back. He is a special runner. And Pittsburgh's always had guys like that. James Conner, I say that, now. I can't think of a second one, but I know they've had good (laughs) running backs throughout the years. Um, And so this is a game for Louisville where they they come in. You know what they are, right? They are a team that can play solid football for about three and a half quarters. And then there's likely going to be a squandered opportunity where their defense gives up a big play or they, you know, they allow, uh, there's a turnover, whatever the case is. So Pittsburgh comes in here saying, if we can just make sure that we keep our offense on the field and we, we can control the line of scrimmage, if we can run the football, we feel like defensively we can stop Malik Cunningham from running or limit him and they're not passing the football. And then for Louisville, they come into this game saying, if we can just get a balanced offense and we can kind of build off of what Brock Doman did, maybe Malik comes in a little pissed off uh, that there was people talking about whether Brock Doman should be playing. But Louisville now says, Let, let's get an, a full, complete defensive effort. We got guys healthy. We're coming together as a defense. The staff now says we're a unit. We're vibing. We're friends. We're doing good stuff, right? That's what Scott Satterfield told the media this week. They're coming together. Well, when you play like this, you can't be beat. That's what they were saying the whole bye week. And now the question is, what Louisville team are you going to get? Are you going to get the team that you think you're going to get, which is the team that's probably not going to make a four-quarter, three-phase football game? That's not happening. You're going to get three-and-a-half quarters and probably two-and-a-half phases, right? Can Louisville put together a complete game this week against a team that's really good, considering what they just did against Virginia stopping the run? This is a team, you talked about their schedule earlier. They, given the talent that they have, this team should be 6-0. I mean, they were just an overtime period away from taking down Tennessee, who, as we've seen now, is really good. I'm, they they very much well-deserve have that three number three spot in the nation. And then they look meh against Rhode Island. They look, oh, but look okay against Western Michigan. They scrap out a win against West Virginia, but they had to like come back and storm back and win that game. I was actually watching that game. They were down heading into the fourth, but then had a – I think it was a 14-point fourth-quarter rally, which is something that's kind of rare around these parts. But then they just drop an absolute stinker. And I mean, 
stanker to Georgia Tech. I that roosters. I was, that's what they dropped. Was that roosters? The I was after, man. I, I I have a little bit of sickos committee in me, and I still kind of follow Georgia Tech just because I was on that beat. And I'm kind of watching the score as the quarters go on. I'm like, there's no way in hell that Georgia Tech not only is w- within a couple scores of pit, but winning. Georgia Tech went into that game as a 21 and a half point dog, and they outright beat Pitt at Pitt. Given the talent that the Pitt has, especially on defense, this team should be undefeated. And I, I think it's been a little bit due to coaching. It, it feels bad to say because Pat, I think, I think really highly of Pat Narduzzi, but he's kind of cost Pitt a couple games so far. And so that's what is kind of interesting about this game is it's really, you know, they've, they've proven to be vulnerable, but is that more of a slip up or is that, you know, something that Louisville can take advantage of? Um, and Presley, I want to come to you here in a second to talk about the defensive line. I really don't want to get through this preview without really putting some time to emphasize how good this group has been through the first six games of the year. But Vince, I want to come to you because the 2020 Pittsburgh game has been a topic of discussion the last couple of days uh, since Satterfield had his media availability and talked about that game and some of the errors. If you put your your memory back into the Wayback Machine, do you remember anything specifically uh, about you know maybe how they viewed Pittsburgh or w- what can we glean from the first matchup with Pittsburgh under the Scott Satterfield regime uh, to today? At this time in my head, I was thinking you know they're not up to our caliber is what I it was what I was I kind of thought of Louisville as more of a step ahead of Pittsburgh when it comes to football. And that might just be me. I know there's that Pittsburgh toughness and things like that, but I mean, I also never go into a game thinking I'm going to lose. So that also, but I remember hearing them talk about Kenny Pickett at the time, who was the quarterback and how good he was. And I remember they had a solid D line, yeah, uh, which was going to give us Fritz. And I still think that their D line is, (laughs) Is good, so yeah. I, I don't know. I, they might just be that school that a lot like how people like to think of Louisville was as like a QBU. They just you know produce D linemen, in yeah. my opinion. It's, guys, that, guys that at least play hard. And actually, when you kind of think about it, this pit team kind of draws some parallels to Louisville. And I say that I'm going to describe a situation. I'm going to describe a team for you. I'm not going to say which team it is, but I'm going to describe a team for you. A team with a defense, with a ton of high-caliber, talented pieces in the front seven and in the secondary who does a phenomenal job at getting in the backfield, getting after the quarterback, doing all that stuff. But the only thing that is hampering that defense, they're on the field too long because their offense, while they do put up a fair amount of yardage, they struggle in converting third downs, they struggle with penalties. And so as much as the as much production as the offense is getting, they're not finishing drives. They're not ending drives. Well, they are finishing drives, but they're not ending drives in points, whether it be touchdowns or field goals. So they conversely have to give the ball back to the put the defense back on the field. And then after a while, that wears down on teams. Who do you think I just described? That feels like the Spider-Man meme right there and what I just heard in my ears. Those two teams are just pointing at each other. I've Granted, I've only watched about a game and a half of pit football, but just going off of the stats alone and how they line up pretty damn close to what Louisville is. Let me just run through these. They're 
total defense. There's 27th in the nation in total defense, uh, but their scoring defense is 66. Total offense is 52nd, but their scoring offense is, is 34th. Looking at their third down percentage, it's only 39 and a half, which is good for 70th, 70th in the nation. They give up an average of 7.8 penalties a game, which is 111th in FBS. Now, keep in mind, there's only 131. And then when it comes to getting the backfield, they're in the top 25 in both sacks and tackles for loss. That sounds like Louisville. <laughs> yeah. Look, this is a game that um, I think for me, what it comes down to is, yes, Pittsburgh is going to get into the backfield. They're going to be able to make plays. I mean, their numbers aren't over the top this year. I mean, the defensive lineman um, whose name I, I cannot remember off the top of my head was first well, can't see. All I No, uh, Habakkuk. Isn't that his first name? Habakkuk Baldonado. Ah, <laughs> Ken Matt, the name expert over here, man. There we go. He just what had that one. Name, Jacob? <laughs> Habakkuk. Isn't that right? I mean, their defensive line. I hope Jacob's he play Saturday. Yeah. Jacob's. <laughs> here we go. The perfect segue into Jacob's sack update. Perfect segue into what I love to talk about each week, and that is the sacks uh, from the defense. Okay. Let's talk about it. Presley. What do you have numbers wise that indicates that this group uh, for Louisville specifically is going to, or at least is on the pace to do something that they haven't done in a long time. First of all, the, the best part about this segment is that you said it's time for Jacob's sack update. Let's turn it over to Presley. Uh, but no, I mean, listen, the, the, I, I think this this isn't getting a lot of enough reception, right? That that Louisville is really good in past defense as far as in the front seven, right? Uh, they, they allow way too many big plays. We know this from the secondary, but they get to the quarterback better than literally any other team in the country. Um, and, 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 you know, we talked about Ashton Gelati. We talked about Yaya Diaby. And this is without Ashton Gelati playing in one game and kind of not being healthy um, for for a few games this season. Um, Louisville currently leads Power 5 teams in sacks with 23 sacks. Um, that is on pace to be uh, the, the best mark in school history. And, and I don't think that people are, are giving that enough credit uh, they lead Power Five with 3.83 sacks per game. Um, that would that would be more than um, their team in 2013 that led the country in sacks um, with, I believe, Lorenzo Malden would would be one, and I think the other would be DeAndre's Mount. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I mean, collectively as a team um, in 2000, and let me and double check here. Sheldon Rankins would have been on that team as yeah, well. Yeah. 2000, uh, 2013, mm-hmm. they averaged 3.3 sacks per game. Wow. And that was good for first of any team in the country three at 3.3 sacks per game. <laughs> a lot of sacks, yeah. you. Sack you, baby. A lot of it's sacks. Louisville's defense, that's right. If you take away, um, there was a team in the early 2000s that averaged five and a half sacks per game. I believe that was Miami, Ohio. Uh, so it's a little bit fluky. Um, yeah, but who the hell are they playing? They got some past those teams, <laughs> right? There were so outside of that, though, typically between 3.3, 3.4, and 4.3 leads the country in, in number of sacks per game. If as a team, if you're getting like two to two and a half sacks a game, you're doing pretty well. Louisville is averaging three and 3.83 currently, uh, through halfway through the season. Um, that would be the best mark in, in school history, as, as I indicated. And really, it just goes to show, you know, this defense takes a lot of flack. 
Um, but it, it's very difficult for me to, to criticize Brian Brown and then in the same breath say, okay, well, Louisville also leads the country in, in tackling the opposing quarterback behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, Louisville does an excellent job in, in getting pressures on the quarterback. Really, um, uh, the major issue that this points towards is, is that, that Louisville's having a lot of issues just covering guys in the secondary. I think that that's ultimately what it boils down to. And on the state of Louisville.com this week, I broke down um, exactly what Louisville's schedule is looking like because Louisville has, I mean, we already talked about they have the number one as far as win percentage. They have the, num- the number one strength of schedule uh, going forward. But they've also up to this point had the number 32 strength of schedule um, up until now. So it's not like they've been playing a bunch of patsies at all. Um, and it, it, additionally, the teams that Louisville has played, right? So, so Louisville has played Syracuse, UCF, FSU, USF, Boston College, and Virginia so far. Uh, each of those teams have played a quality schedule so far. Um, and, and they have allowed, on average, 1.97 sacks per game. Yet Louisville against those teams, uh, when you take away, excuse me, when you take away Louisville, in the other games that they played, they've averaged 1.97 sacks allowed per game against their other – they've either played six or seven games, so against either their other five or six opponents. Does that make sense? Am I – Yes, am that I makes speaking sense. Speaking clear you. English here, everybody yeah. with me? Okay, so Syracuse is allowed – outside of the Louisville games, Syracuse is allowed 2.2 sacks per game. Central Florida, 1.4. Florida State, one sack per game. USF, 0.6 sacks per game. Boston College, 3.8. And Virginia, 2.8. Uh, now, Boston College is definitely an anomaly. Because I was about they, to say, that's a lot. <laughs> right, right. Well, Boston College allows 3.8 sacks per game. Louisville only got, to, got the quarterback on the ground twice in that game. Yeah. So, that's a that's a major anomaly. Imagine if they had had the six there that, that I predicted. That's what I'm that saying. They 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 like Jacob predicted. talking shit about that O-line. They're like, right. oh, here this scrawny-ass white boy talking shit about us. Hey, yes. if they're calling me scrawny, that's a win for me. Normally, it's husky or chubby, so I'll take it. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, scrawny, we, I'll take it. <laughs> we, we talked about um, going into that Boston College game, how bad their offensive line was. So it's really just a shame that, that Louisville wasn't able to, to take advantage. Uh, but, again, as we talked about, Ashton Gelati was, was kind of nursing an injury as well in that game. So not, not that it's an excuse at all. Obviously there are plenty of players like, uh, um, you know, like a Yassir Abdullah, like a Yaya Diaby, like a Mason Rager, like a Monty Montgomery that can get to the quarterback. So that still shouldn't have been an issue for Louisville. That's still an, an inexcusable loss. Um, but, but all of this to say is that Louisville's opponents have played quality defensive lines. And, and they have still averaged, done a pretty solid job of protecting their quarterbacks, with the exception of against Louisville. Yeah. So it's not that Louisville is just stacking up sacks against – they don't have a Kentucky-esque schedule where they're playing Miami of Ohio, where they're playing uh, Youngstown State, where they're playing, uh, you know, Eastern Kentucky, those, those types of teams. Louisville's not had one of those teams on their schedule this year, and yet they still lead Power 5 football and sacks uh, accounted for it. Uh, so a lot of people aren't going to want to talk about this. The narrative it, it continues to be that it's the Louisville defense, even though the statistics lend towards it being the offense and not the defense. That's that's the major problem this season. Mm-hmm. I understand the big play issue, but again, just another statistic that is a major outlier on, on this team. And, and yet Louisville sits at three and three. Uh, so the, there's, you know, obviously they have the number one strength of schedule coming up uh, for the rest of the season. 
um, which is just un un hard to believe. But uh, there's also a lot of opportunity and there's a lot of areas on this team where they are performing well. I think for me, just kind of summarizing what you just said, the best way to put it is that Louisville's defense is clearly outperforming the offense, but the single biggest individual factor in some of the outcomes this season has been the propensity to give up big plays. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. I think you're hundred percent correct in that. And I, I think it's, it's maddening. It's mind boggling uh, that, that you'll see the same team that gets a sack and then a tackle for loss. And it's like third and 16, give up a touchdown, like in this, then back-to-back plays. It just doesn't make sense. It's, it's difficult to compute. And when they haven't allowed those big plays against Virginia, with the exception of one play against Virginia and against central Florida, with the exception of, of the two early drives, like when they have not allowed those big plays on a consistent basis, their defense has been dominant. Like, you know, yeah. they, they keep bringing up the, the 10 drives in a row, but that's huge against the UCF team. They literally just put up 70 this weekend. That's averaged 45 points a game since they played Louisville. So they like, literally they, held Virginia to six yards rushing. Like that, yeah, I don't like, feel like you could hard. do that. I don't care. I don't no. care who you, what college team. That's exactly that's right. That's ridiculous. Yeah, yes, yeah. we did exactly what we were supposed to do against Virginia, but. Yeah, but you can still celebrate a staff yeah, that looks like, like God that, damn. you know. Yeah. But here's what here's what the, real quick before you before you kind of close this up. Louisville's defense is going to do three things. Here's the three things they're going to do. This is what we know for certain. The defense is number one. They're going to get interceptions. Okay. Luckily this year, this this looks like what Brian Brown was doing at App State. They're getting picks. Yeah, they're giving up big plays, but they're giving picks. Two, they're gonna they're gonna brush the passer. Like that's what they do. You see, Abdullah only has two and a half sacks. But he has, I think, three or four quarterback hurries or quarterback hits. He's right there. And then you're talking about the four that each Yaya and Ashton have. Okay. And then finally, what they're going to do is they're going to give up big plays that ultimately lead to their demise. Like, that's just what they are at this point. But thank God there's opportunity here to get that kind of reeled in. And maybe this week we'll see some, you know, some unique lineups. Maybe we'll see a little bit more MJ Griffin. Maybe we'll see a little bit more Quincy Riley. Maybe we'll see a little bit more of these guys who have kind of shown over the last few weeks that maybe they deserve some time. So Presley, get us uh, wrapped up here on the segment. And, and what do you have to kind of uh, put a bow on this? Yeah. I mean, just putting a bow on it. I really think that it comes put a bow on it again. It just, it comes down to those plays, man. Like it really does. Like it's just those, those mental lapses four to five times a game, obviously against Boston college, it was like 10 times. Uh, but, but as a whole, um, you know, it's, it's the, the Jarvis Brownlee play where he's, you know, just kind of loping it on defense for no reason against Florida state. And, and one of the most important drives of the game, like it's just, it's these small things that just add up that ultimately end up costing the team uh, overall as a whole, you know, nobody wants to listen to this because they're, because they are allowing the big plays and, it, and ultimately that doesn't, that it doesn't matter when that's happening. Right. But ultimately Louisville's defense is right there. They truly are. And what Scott Siderfield is saying is true. They are right there, but they, they're going to have to find a way to not allow those big plays. And I think the main, the, the main component that goes into that, the, the huge key behind this is exercising your depth. We saw this against South Florida that they had a lot of guys rotating in that secondary. And I think they have to do that. They got to play Nicario Harper more. And, and it's very, very obvious at this point that they have to play MJ Griffin more. Um, mm -hmm. the, the staff came out and said that, that he had some, some injury problems early in the season. There were a lot of tweets coming out from the MJ Griffin camp that were not indicating that that was the case. Uh, but regardless uh, he MJ Griffin wasn't, wasn't playing much and he should have been playing. They you guys been playing said that. Lot. 
I listened to this podcast, you know, religiously every week when I wasn't on it, uh, you know, on a weekend, week out basis. And, and you guys constantly talked about that was MJ Griffin should be looked at as a, sort of a starter. Um, Nicario Harper should be looked at as a guy that's a, that's a main depth piece. And, 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 and Louisville has to be looking at that more. I think the reason why they're allowing so many big plays is because they, there's a stubbornness to not take out uh, some, some of their starters. And they did that against South Florida. They, they did that a little bit against Virginia. Um, they did that a little bit. You saw a hint of that against Central Florida. But for the most part, they've really stuck to their guns and stuck with the starters. And that's why, in my opinion, I think if you're playing 60, 70 downs a game, that's why you're ultimately giving up a few big plays. It's just inevitable when you play that many downs. You know, I, I, think, I think they have to put more guys in the game. Presley, I was I, I just thought about this. And I mean, you, you bring in a guy like NJ Griffin and obviously a guy like Kendrick Duncan is a great tackler. I mean, he leads the team. In, well, not great, but he's a good tackler. He leads the team in tackles. Uh, he also leads the team in missed tackles at the same time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's neither, neither here nor there. Uh, well, I think it's why, a little bit of here and there. <laughs> why, why wouldn't you move him to card? Why wouldn't you move him to card? That's right. Or put your Sierra Bula over there. Let's get the pass and you, you have Ben Perry, who is already a four-star safety. Just leave him a safety. He can be your depth guy and have MJ, MJ Griffin run the show. Isn't that what you look for in your car position anyways, an outside linebacker that can cover? He fits. Can he return punts? That's what I need to know. <laughs> hey, I mean, I don't know, but know I, I think I think going back to the tackling, I think that would help him in the tackling range because he wouldn't be so far away from a guy having to break down and make a solo open field tackle. Yeah, dude, he's just getting. I think put on he gets set up a lot of times on his open tackles, which I mean, like, what the, hell do, you want him to do? What the hell do you want him to do with yeah. the running back with ten yard full yeah. head of steam? You know, so, don't, let, don't let me let me say leg. this. Uh, very, very quickly in response to Vince, the thing that comes to mind here is that every game you have a different game plan, right? And you, you game plan based on, on what kind of looks that, that the opponent is, has shown that they're going to give you. Um, and, and for Louisville, I think they faced a lot of quarterbacks that are very mobile this season. And every team struggles with mobile quarterbacks. But, spe- but specifically, I think mobile quarterbacks really give Louisville fits. That's why I, I kind of texted you guys earlier this week. I'm a little concerned about NC State because even though they don't have Devin Leary, they're bringing in their backup quarterback who's really solid in, in the running game, um, who is kind of reminds me um, of uh, like a what's the guy's name for Syracuse again? I'm so sorry. Garrett Schrader. Garrett Schrader. Garrett Schrader. Thank you. I wanted to call him Sean Tucker for some reason. That's that's not him. That's the other guy. Um, but but regardless, you look at like a Keaton Slovis, right? Like that's not a guy that I feel like is going to be tucking and running a lot. Uh, so that makes me feel a little bit better. But then you look at like a DJ Ui Aga Laga Lalele. Uh, that, that's not a <laughs> – that was half a stutter, half just a – I didn't know if I was saying his name right. I think uh, you nailed you at, it, man. When you, you look at it. like a DJ U, that's a guy who can who can really run the ball. When you look at a Will Levis, that's a guy that can that can run the ball pretty well. So I think that that's something to, to look out for um, with this defense. I think that for whatever reason, and Vince, maybe you can kind of, you know, give me a little bit of reasoning behind it. Um, it seems like there's a, there are too many eyes in the backfield uh, from the secondary, and I think that ultimately it could be a big reason why they give a big place. Is oh yeah, if if you're preaching it all week, it's bad uh, eyes, bad that, eyes, yeah. and man coverage, zone coverage, you know, all of the above. It it could be the smallest thing as you know, say they're in a bunch set and they're running some type of combo. I'm telling Jacob, hey, he goes inside, you take him. If he goes out, I got him, and 
you could probably you could hear that, but you might not run it that way. You might I might right. take off and run with my guy and Jacob's sitting over there and his like what are his you area, doing? Like, what the hell are you doing? Throwing yeah. his arms up, you know, and it, it can be the most simple of thing like that, or somebody like running with the post whenever you know they're supposed to be singing off on a corner. Uh it, it's such a small, fine margin of error. Yep, yep. So I so mean, that that's where it's at in the passing game. And that, that's, that's gonna eat you up every time off that. Right. And that's that's what worries me, man is that Louisville, Keaton Slovis is the last quarterback they're going to play this season that really doesn't run the ball very well. After that, you have Lake Forest, Sam Hartman can run the ball very well. James Madison's quarterback, obviously, we know is one of the better running quarterbacks in the country. Uh, DJU is obviously a good running quarterback. Um, NC State, has already said, they're, they're the guy that's taking over for Devin Leary um, is an excellent runner. And then obviously Will Levis, no, we don't have to talk about what happened last season. Yeah, um, for we sure. know that, that he can – Truck guys, he can. I thought he broke his collarbone last week. Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see if we'll have his face into that game. (laughs) Yeah, Um, but but yeah, I mean, it's concerning either way. When you know, Louisville, it it seems like Louisville has done a better job in in the more recent weeks at stopping the run. Obviously, six yards against Virginia speaks for itself. Um, But but by the same token. Um, they, they don't do a great job stopping rushing quarterbacks. Yeah. And, and I okay. think that's, that's something to watch. All right. So let's do this. We're going to go ahead and transition into the, the back half of the show here. And I've got a couple of keys to this game that I want to run through. And then of course we'll get into our predictions, which will be wrong, right? That's just the, one of the guarantees of, of every week is that we're going to have wrong predictions. Want to be sure to show some love to our friends and partner here on the State of Louisville Podcast Network, Kern's Corner. As always, if you're looking for a spot to have a good beer and enjoy some sports on the televisions, good atmosphere, Kern's Corner is where you need to be over in the Highlands, one of the staples here in the Louisville community. They're a place well-known. If you're looking for a fire chili, some burgers, some beers, maybe a little horse racing, college football, college basketball even, NBA now back, Kern's Corner is where you need to be. Let's start with where I think the the kind of big weakness lies for Louisville and where I will really be watching to see what the defense does. And that is Pittsburgh is missing a very important part of their offense. And that is their, their starting left tackle, Carter Warren, who Pat Narduzzi announced this week would be out for the rest of the season. Um, he is potentially, you know, one of the best left tackles in the entire conference. Um, and he is a guy that absolutely could make a difference for Louisville. How do you attack that? That needs to be the number one point of attack for the defense. How can you take advantage of a left tackle um, who, as Eric McLean, uh, McLean mentioned on our show earlier today, uh, which you should listen to if you haven't already, is uh, how do you make him overthink? How do you make him miss a guy or make him read something the wrong way? That's going to be really important. Load that side up. Put Yasir over there. Put a, you know, put Desmond Tell over there. Switch the guys up that you're running off of that side. Maybe blitz a safety in there every once in a while. Just give them different looks that constantly make him have to figure things out. Um, and really force him uh, to kind of dictate what happens with Keaton Slovis. Number two, for Louisville's defense, there's a guy on Pittsburgh's offense that worries me for a number of reasons. Uh, the number one is his name. His name is Gavin Bartholomew, okay? Has there ever been a character more likely to torch Louisville's defense than Gavin Bartholomew? Is that is that not the name of a defense of an offensive nightmare for Louisville defense? It is. And here's why oh, it I'm sounds wor- like it. That's right. Uh, he is Pittsburgh's starting tight end. 14 receptions on the season, 229 yards. Uh, he's got big plays on the year. He's got a 57-yarder. He's averaged 16.4 yards a catch. He has two touchdowns. Whenever Louisville lets big plays happen, typically like one out of the 
one out of three plays is a tight end just running straight down the field and nobody recognizing it like that. That is a threat in this game. And I think if Louisville can make sure from a linebacker standpoint, who is covering the tight end Vince, who is the cover linebacker for Louisville? Who is the guy that you can trust to do that? Who do we need? Uh, Perry would be your default coming down from the safety spot. My next would have to be, uh, I, I'd say Monty's ball skills, mm-hmm. but running wise, it, it seems to be Momo runs better. Uh, I mean, you never know with his Siri either. The few times we've seen him drop back in coverage, he's done, you know, a fine job dropping back. Got two picks on the year. Only one yeah, that counts. Two so, picks. So. so it might be from the outside linebacker position. But, I, I mean, the, that right there, you want to talk about the tight end running straight down the field on those pop pass. The pop pass is in the, in the red zone are the worst. Those are the ones that kill me because, yeah. I mean, that's where – I mean, when when you're on offense, you're like, ha, 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 I got you. But on defense, you're like kicking yourself in the nuts because you just expect the run play. It's football like, oh, we're going to tough it out, bully ball you, and they just chest, not checkers, dump pass over top of your head, and you look like yeah, Yeah, the Florida State game, two times. We saw the big play in the first half and then the touchdown, which is exactly what you're talking about. That can't happen with a kid like this, right? Like in 2019, it was Tommy Sweeney at Boston College. I think he had two touchdowns in the first half. Like this is a game where you can't let that happen because they will absolutely when you're talking at the end of the game and it's a it's a seven point difference and you're down. That makes all of the uh, that makes the world of difference for that team is whether or not in the first half or early on you give up those big plays to a guy like that. And then third and final is Malik cutting him. How do you get him going in the passing game? I think he's got to they've got to find a way whether it's intermediate passing, whether it's those back shoulder throws, whatever it is, how can you get him comfortable? Whether it's throwing on the run or in the pocket. I don't care if he throws from the moon. He can throw from my car in the parking lot. I don't care where he throws from. But what are you doing to set him up for success? Because what we talked about um, last week, and we talked a little bit about it on the show with Eric, was Louisville's offense showed the ability from a play calling standpoint to call those plays. We saw the pop passes. We saw some mix of intermediate passes to the point that we said, oh, damn, that's Lance. All right, Lance. And then Sat said, no, no, that's me. Stop it. Give me the credit for that. And so this week, maybe Sat builds on it and we see more of it. We see some more of that intermediate passing. Now, here's the thing. And, and I don't know. I, I don't know. Matt, you might have to get your big J journalism on here. Amari Huggins Bruce situation is weird. It's weird. It's very, it reminds me a lot of the early stages of the Devon Mortimer stuff over the summer. Mm-hmm. No one really wants to talk about it. It happened. It got caught on the internet. And now we're in a situation where if he doesn't play, Satterfield's going to have to answer as to why. I don't know, but you need him in this game. And Matt, what is the deal, man? What do we, can, what can we, so, I have no idea. I want to preface this by saying I don't have anything on record. I can't confirm any what I'm about to say in case someone at Louisville decides to want to try and accuse me of saying so. There you go. Disclaimer this is not financial advice. Exactly. So Sat is obviously asked about Amari. I mean, why wouldn't he? So, and he says he's still practicing. So clearly he's not hurt, but he says he does not want to address. No, his exact words were, I don't want to speak about the tweet. So it's almost like he's acknowledging that the tweet exists, but does not want to speak on it. Yeah. That doesn't, that does not sound like someone who is injured. No, clearly that to me, in my opinion, my granted unconfirmed opinion, your personal, it sounds like it sounds like he's suspended. Yeah. What for? I'm not going to speculate. Yeah, but that's fair. That's that's what it sounds like to me. There's definitely something there. There's definitely legs to it, but you're right. We have no idea. He could suit up and play. Who knows? But the tweet is damning. Like it it is what it is. We, We saw it. It was shared. 
so now you know Louisville's gonna have to figure that out. And if he isn't, uh, if he isn't active, then you're talking about you're you're down to to really bare bones at this point, man. You, you're going to need Jalen Carter. You're going to need to rely on Chance Morrow and Chris Bell, and you're going to need Mo Turner. I mean, maybe Mo Turner can be the the, the you know kind of unsung hero here. Uh, but from an from an offensive standpoint, the passing game is so important because they are going to expect you to run. They are going to stop you from running or at least attempt to limit your running ability. So what then can you counter from the passing standpoint? And that's the, the segue into our predictions now. Um, kind of what ultimately, in my opinion, determines this game. I think Louisville will go out there and they're going to play a damn good defensive game. I think you're going to see them flying around. I think that kind of flying around kind of – uh, energy we saw a little bit against Central Florida, against South Florida, and definitely against Virginia will be what they are through the second half. That's my opinion, right? That's just what I've seen. I think there's enough time to try to get some of those mistakes cleaned up historically. Uh, in the second half of seasons, I feel like their defense has kind of cleaned some of those issues up to an extent. Now, they've never been perfect. Um, and, and, but I still feel like in this game, it comes down to can, can Slovis um, kind of compliment uh, Israeli Abandicanda because Louisville is obviously going to do the same thing. They're going to try to take him away and make Slovis be the passer. In my opinion, I think the pass rush will be there. I think that they're going to do everything that they need to do from a defensive standpoint, but offensively, I just think that they're going to struggle to throw the football. I am taking Pittsburgh in a very close game here. I'm going to go 24-21 Pittsburgh, uh, and that's that's the prediction for the week. Matt, I'll come to you next. What do you got? So I just want to preface this by saying like the reason I was kind of quiet for like 10, 15 minute period, because I wanted to run the numbers on big plays because I, I wrote about them after the Boston college game, kind of highlighting how big of an issue they currently, that, that it was at that point. And I, I ran them real quick with some updated numbers after the Virginia game. So Louisville's defense has given up 66 plays all season where the opponent has either rushed for 10 plus yards or passed for 15 plus yards. On those 66 plays, Louisville has given up 1,556 yards of offense. The, Louisville's defense has been on the field 380 times and given up only 2,164 yards of offense. So another way to spin this, on 17.4% of the time they are on the field, they are giving up 71.9% of their total yardage allowed all year. On those other 82.6% of the time they're on the field, they're only allowing 1.94 yards per game. That's crazy. I don't know. I don't know who the national leader in yards, uh, defensive yards for play is right this second, but when I originally wrote this piece, the national leader in defensive yards per play allowed was Bama at like three and a half. So Louisville's defense, I'm not saying Louisville's defense is on Bama, obviously, but over 80% of the time, Louisville's defense is doubling the production that the national leader in defense is. This is a good defense, but they have too many boneheaded mistakes, whether that's due to a a misassignment or a blown coverage by either a player or a coach. They kind of have equal say in why they've given up so many big plays. On paper, this these two teams, like I prefaced earlier, are pretty statistically similar. Their makeup from like how they operate is pretty similar. So it explains why the line is so close. It explains why Pitt was only a one-point favorite when when the opening line was first released. I want, I want to think that Louisville is going to 
finally capitalize on momentum and string together wins because it's been win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. It's been a roller coaster this year. I want to think that Louisville will finally buck this trend and get a win and finally string some wins. I think the best way for me to put it, the with the both teams have a lot of talent. That's pretty clear. I just think that this is going to sound horrible the way I'm phrasing it, but the <laughs> interference from coaching on Pitt's side is not as drastic as it has been on Louisville's side. Because, I mean, it's going to sound horrible. The, the reason why Louisville is 3-3 three and three is not because of talent. It's because of coaching. I think we can all agree at this point. So I say all that to come around and say, I think Pitt squeaks this one out 28, 27. I think it's going to be a close one up until the very end. I'm not going to say there's going to be a blown fourth quarter or something like that. I just think that both, both teams have pretty comparable talent, especially on defense. I just think that Louisville's coaching staff hasn't done enough to prove that they can continuously string together positive performances. Yeah, that's that's all facts. All right, Presley, I'm going to say Vince for last. What do we got, man? Let's make this quick so we can get all get out of here and get some dinner. What do we got? Right, so I was trying to to put Matt's numbers, kind of frame it in, in a different way. Essentially, on 66 plays, they've allowed 23.57 yards per play. On 314 plays, they've allowed, what was it, Matt? One point what? On uh, 300 and... Ninth, no three. It was three. It was three eighty, and I subtracted the sixty six because I'm assuming you're talking total plays for the whole season. Yeah. Hey, I'm yeah, not a math guy. I'm a football guy. Quit coming at yeah, me with okay. all these numbers. I just want to hit somebody. Regardless, okay. Let's say on on over three hundred plays this season, they're averaging less than two yards allowed. Bingo, yes, boom, correct. Love play Big on sixty six plays, they're Ooh. averaging twenty four yards. Oh, that's not allowed. good. No, that's bad. That's not good. No, that's bad. So, that's bad. So essentially, more, more small, less big. How about that? That's <laughs> love it. Love it. So, what we got for a score? Who, who's winning this one? I'm going Louisville 27 21. Okay. And so, we were in, Matt was in the press conference this week and I was texting him a bunch of stuff. But one thing, one of the things that I texted was, Have you ever seen Scott Satterfield show up to a mid- midweek press conference prepared with notes? It's over. They're winning notes. That's the difference. The notes. And I'm not saying what was on those notes. What do you think? A bunch of stats. A bunch oh. of stats. So yeah. he crunched the numbers this week, like Matt and I have been doing. Who's and the number he, cruncher, Vince? Well, that's Who what they the do. Numbers? That's what they do all week. Uh, like the GAs and Crunch. everybody, all they do is they'll sit there and they'll self scout evaluate all day because we have that capability. It's not like us four sitting there looking at a game on YouTube. Like I can sit there and double click and sort how many times we had the tight end lined up to the right and pass set, right. which is right, right behind the tackle, opposed to how many times he was right there and hit set right next to the quarterback, or how many times we threw X amount of balls to Amari Huggins-Bruce and X amount of balls to Tyler Hudson. And every stat that you could think and break down, they basically have broken down. And, yes, it just feels like <laughs> what you described, Presley, was uh, you did the same thing, just a whole lot more work. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> essentially. And so, so here's the best way that I that I can frame this, and I'll I'll keep it quick. Uh, essentially, two weeks ago, 
you saw a broken, a, a very close to being broken man in Scott Satterfield. He's there got were tears notes. in his eyes. There were, he was emotional. And I think it's very clear that, that his team, Kenny, Rocco, those guys came to him and said, look, we cannot have, they're going to start picking you apart. We cannot have what happened two weeks ago happen again. And so they're like, you're going to come in, you're going to be prepared for this press conference. He had an opening statement prepared. He had stats prepared. He was ready to go. And he took all the emotion out of it. And when you listen to all the coaches come in and talk, they were all very serious. They're all to the point. And when they were asked questions, they were prepared. There was no, eh, you know, like tripping over their words. There was no little boohoo tears. Like there's none of that. They were very serious. They came prepared for that press conference. And I think that sends a message of preparation across the team. And maybe yeah. I'm totally, maybe it'll come out and get blown out by 30, but I don't think that's the case. I think that when you just, when you listen to the coaches, when you hear what they say, when you, when you watch their attitude and their approach uh, towards this week, it doesn't strike me as a team that's, that's going to get blown out by any means. And I don't, I don't, I don't have the, the confidence that this pit team is as, you know, Satterfield came out and I like, gave it like the whole pit is a top 10 type team treatment. Um, but, but the reality of the situation is that, uh, they were really, really good last year, but I think a lot of that had to do with with having uh, a, a you know top ten draft pick that is currently playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers um, and, and the number one wide receiver in the country in in, uh, in Addison last year. Uh, that neither one of those guys are back. Their pass rush is still pretty good. They're still pretty good in the trenches. Oh, I think that Louisville, Louisville finds a way uh, to to get it done, just like they did against Virginia. Could be sloppy, but I think they they continue their winning ways. 27-21 cards. Okay, I like it. I know what was on those notes. I I know it. It was the walk recipe. He was going to give it to Matt. Let him know he listened to the show, man. That's it. So, Vince, what you got? Say, never know what you're going to get from Vince. He might say 67 to 22 or something. You just don't know. I've been, you know, bouncing back and forth between pick and pit just because every time I pick the opposing team, Louisville, Louisville pulls wins. out a win. So I'm okay. Like, Little reverse psychology. You know, reverse psychology. But anytime yeah. I try and get smart with myself and cute and shit. Uh-huh. It never goes my way. <laughs> no, that's not so true. You're, like, like, you're all right, a I'm not going to do that. Yeah, get, yeah. Get, I'm going 27, 28 cards just to be a dick to Matt. That's the price is right. I'm going to bet $1,000 in one penny. That's what you just did to Matt. That's right? what I was thinking. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, you know, yeah. As soon as Matt started talking, I'm like, how can I one-up him by one? <laughs> so we all see this being a game in the 20s. So 24, 25, that's the magic number, it seems like, to this game. Whoever gets to that first it's the equivalent of the 69 rule in this game. It's going to be a low scoring game, which that very well could lead uh, what is right and wrong next week, that right there. Uh, but it's, it's going to be a fun game, a fun atmosphere coming off of Louisville live on Friday night. Uh, it should be decent weather. Presley's going to have to hold my hand because I might get a little chilly, but Hey, the Brown water uh, and the Brown juice will be flowing on Saturday night. That sounds disgusting. The Brown juice, but uh, it will be flowing from the Tass of Cardinal stadium. It will be a good atmosphere. I expect a good crowd because what else is there to do at eight o'clock on the middle of a fall night? Well, I guess there's booth zoo. There is kind of some other stuff going on The the great pumpkin uh, thing down in Iroquois, right? Where they carve the pumpkins up. Right? I was going to say literally everything. <laughs> literally everything. <laughs> yes. Sleep. You know, there's definitely options. Bonfires. Yeah, yeah. I expect the Louisville crowd to turn out and for it to be a loud and raucous crowd. And hopefully we are, you know, rewarded with with a win. I think I think we all deserve that at this point. So uh, you've been tuned in to From the Pink Seeds podcast. Jacob Lane, Presley Meyer, Vince Lococo, Matt McGavick. We appreciate you all for tuning in each week. Louisville, again, goes to war Saturday night against those Panthers, man. Let's knock let's knock the Nard, uh, fighting Narduzzi's out, man. That's nothing more that I want on my Saturday night than, than fighting some Narduzzi 
koozies on the on the field. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your your shows from from the Pink Seats Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Pink Seats Pod at State of the State of Blue at Jacob Lane zero eight at Press Meyer at Matt underscore McGavick at Vince Lacoco. You're never going to remember that, so just follow the podcast, and we will catch you guys next week. Until then, go Cards. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.